even in the simple moments of everyday life. A lot can be going on that we don't ever notice. But if we'll take the time, the everyday becomes extraordinary as we lean in and look closer. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there today. I think my dad watched last night at the 6 o'clock service, but if for some reason he tuned into 11.15 up in Manitoba, happy Father's Day, Dad. I hope you have an incredible day, and I'm praying they open the border soon so we can actually see each other. That would be kind of cool. I also want to say hello to the Rush and Robinson families. They are both camping somewhere in southern Oregon, happened to be in adjacent sites, and heard my voice echoing back and forth and just introduce themselves to each other. So hi campers, it's good to have you with us. We're glad that you're here as well. And uh, what a great weekend to be hanging out together, whether we're in church or in a campsite somewhere in Southern Oregon. It's just amazing that we can actually have this connection together. Hey, before we dive into the service today, I wanna give you an opportunity to look closer at the nation of Israel. COVID stole multiple attempts for us to get to Israel. If you've been around CTK for a while, you know that uh, my wife Laurel and I host trips in Israel. Well, we have another opportunity to go in October, and I just want to uh, be able to have an opportunity to meet with you and to talk about that possibility. I actually spoke with people on the ground in Jerusalem yesterday and would love to have an opportunity to share their perspective, their details. And so if you're interested, the meeting is happening right after this service upstairs in room 216 so you can do baptism class in 210 or the Israel meeting in 216. We would love to connect with you. So if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant and I have a story. And that's good because every person watching and listening right now has a story. Your story is what's happened to you in your entire life that brings you to this moment right now. And I want to remind you before we talk about your story that, that your story's not done. God's writing new chapters. Don't close the book on your story because God is not done writing. And, and I just wonder, I wonder if we would be a little more kind and gracious if we only knew some more of the story of that person who was sitting in front of us or behind us or driving in front of us or behind us. I wonder if we would be just a little bit more kind, gracious, and compassionate if we had just a little snapshot of what their story had been like just in the past week. Here's the story that my wife Laurel and I have lived through just in the past week. We spent last Saturday with our kids. It was so good to be together. And then on Monday, a bunch of things that we had been praying very passionately about went the exact opposite direction that we wanted them to. Anybody else experienced that? You're praying for yes, 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 and you get no, no, no. It can be confusing. Tuesday morning, we did a live internet show called Jesus.net slash live. We answered questions about Jesus to a global audience, which is very humbling and exciting. And then we went from the high of that to a difficult moment doing the graveside service and memorial for one of Christ the King's prayer warriors. Her name was Virginia Hobbs. And right after the memorial, we had to go home and put down our little rescue dog. Her name was Bella. We had her for many, many years. We rescued her, but in the truth, she actually rescued us. And if you're a dog lover, you get it. And that was just Tuesday. That's just Tuesday. Isn't it amazing how when you find out something about someone else's story, that, that it actually creates a high level of, of connection with that person? 
And, and I am so humbled right now the fact that, that God would rally a whole bunch of people who have different stories, whether they're here or in a different part of the country. And God, in his sovereignty, has brought us together right now in this moment to share a piece of his story. I need you to know a little bit of the backstory of the moment we're going to look closer at right now. That's the name of our series, Look Closer. We're walking through a series of parables because even before we get to the story, Jesus has his story. That's history, right, when you think about it? And it brought him to this moment. Let me catch you up to what Jesus has been doing. Jesus has been on a teaching campaign. He's been eating lunch with Pharisees, which is not nearly as fun as it sounds, okay? Think about having lunch with someone who doesn't like you and is on the exact opposite end of the spectrum on every single issue you could talk about. Politics, family, religion. I mean, you are here and they are way over here. Some of you are like, that sounds like every lunch I had in 2020, Grant. Come on. Jesus has been teaching about wedding banquets, social orders, lost sheep, lost coins, lost kids, and the cost of being a Jesus follower. And then 10 people with leprosy show up, and he heals all 10 of them, and only one of them comes back and says thanks. That must have been disappointing. So with all of that history... Then the Pharisees show up again, a group of religious neatniks who want to play spiritual jeopardy with the king of kings. And I'm sure Jesus was a little tired and a little weary, so he decides to tell them a story. The story actually has some context and backstory as well. So before we even get to the parable, let me give you two pieces of information because they're really, really important. Number one, to hear this parable, it was, it was meant to be heard. You've got to enter first into a first century context. So when I say the word widow today in 2021, it probably will make you a little bit sad, but you think of someone who was married and their husband passed away. And it's, that's hard. But thank God today widows have some access to different kinds of support. Life insurance, there's programs, there's social security, there's a social welfare system, all of those things are supposed to help. And then there's something called the church. We're actually supposed to stand with our sisters who lose their husbands. We're supposed to be there for them. And what we know is this, widow in our society, it means challenging, because that's really, really challenging, but it doesn't mean destitute or defenseless. In the first century, widows were in a very, very different position. They were the most vulnerable members of society. They were basically powerless. They had no social status. No one was there to advocate for them. So to be a widow in this time, in this culture, and I'm so glad that it's changed, in the first century was to be the most vulnerable person in society. If your family didn't look after you, you had no options. It was a tough spot. That's a piece of information number one. We're going to run into a widow in just a moment. Number two is the other character that happens to be in Jesus' story. It's a, a guy that we only know as the judge. So think judge. You know, person, black robe, courtroom setting, little gavel, overruled, order in the court, sustained, case dismissed. I mean, all that kind of stuff, right? So think actual judge. And again, we've got to go back to the first century to understand the situation. So in our society, 2021, if you've got a legal problem, you hire a lawyer. And he pleads your case before a judge. If you don't like your lawyer, no problem. You fire him and find another one, right? If you don't like the decision of the judge, you can appeal to a higher court. And the judges are supposed to act according to the law. In the first century, that was not the story. Local judges often achieved their positions not because they were the wisest or best trained. Often it's because they were the most corrupt. That's how they got to the top of the food chain. 
So winning in court was often a matter of having enough money to be able to bribe somebody or enough influence to be able to gain their favor. This is how I know this. So if you, if you check out a lot of the history in the first century, especially around Jerusalem, there was a proper name given to judges in Hebrew. It was Diane Gezeroth. And it meant judge of punishment or judge of prohibition. They were supposed to punish evildoers. But later on, people came up with another name for them. They called them Diane Gezeloth, which was not a compliment. It meant robber judge. It's a corrupt judge. Someone who was more interested in stealing than actually enacting justice. Well, we're going to meet that judge in just a minute, and now you know some of the context, the history, the backstory. So we've got a widow without options, caught in a legal bind, and a cranky, corrupt, crook for a judge. Welcome to the parable of the persistent widow. The Bible says this, Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Let's stop for just a moment. Earlier in the service, I asked you to re-engage on a prayer request that you'd given up on. The reason I did that is because Jesus is speaking to all of us right now, and this is what he wants you to know. One point, always pray and don't give up. Let me say it again, always pray and don't give up. Some of us respond, but Grant, I'm really tired of asking for the same thing. Always pray and don't give up. But Grant, you don't understand. God doesn't seem to be answering me. Always pray and don't give up. Always pray and don't give up. We're done. Church is over. Have a nice weekend. Just kidding. But that's the point. Jesus tells us right from the beginning, before he even tells us the story. That's the point I want you to get. Always pray and don't give up. Always pray and don't give up. Verse number two, Jesus said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. Let me read that again. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Apparently she's a scrappy, persistent widow. Now before we even bump into the parable, I want to keep you from running down the wrong path. If you Google this parable, you will be horrified to see some of the conclusions people come out of with this particular parable. So before we even get going, let me stop you from coming to the wrong conclusion, okay? At first glance, this is the wrong conclusion. The wrong conclusion of this parable is that God is a grumpy judge, and if you bug him enough, he'll give you what you want. Incorrect, okay? That's not right. But you can read the story. I see how people get there, but that's not the conclusion that God wants you to come to. So don't walk away today and go, oh, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. God's grumpy, and if I just bother him enough, he's going to give me whatever I want. That's perfect. So now I know what to pray. God, I care about the environment, so you should give me a Tesla. 
Like, give me a Tesla right now. Give me a Tesla, give me a Tesla, give me a Tesla. I'm not going away. I want a Tesla, a white Tesla, and I'm going to wear you down. And after I wear you down, I'm going to go to Elon Musk himself. I mean, I've compiled a list of 297 reasons why I need, deserve, and want a Tesla. And I don't care if it makes you grumpy. I'm going to go over every single one of them for every day from now till the rest of eternity until you give me a Tesla. I'm going to wear you out, God. I want a Tesla, a Tesla, a Tesla. If you love me, give me a Tesla. If you don't love me, I'm not going to get a Tesla. I really want a Tesla. My cause is the environment. Give me a Tesla. Amen. You know what's scary? Some of us actually pray that way. That's not persistent. It's obnoxious. And it comes out of a wrong belief that if you just keep bugging God enough, he'll just relent and give you a Tesla. Overruled. But some of you are looking at your Bible going, but Grant, it does seem that God's talking to us about persistence here. What do we do with that? I mean, if we're not supposed to give up, what's God actually asking from us? So to answer that question, let's jump back a couple of chapters to Luke chapter 11, another teaching on prayer, very famous. It says, Jesus talking, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, here we go dads, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So let me give you a little bit more of the story, a little bit more of the context, because it still sounds a little bit like ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. That's the formula, ask, seek, knock. Just be persistent, you'll wear God down. Ask, seek, and knock. Let me give you some context. Let's go back to the original language. When the Bible here says ask, seek, and knock, these are what we know as present imperatives in the original language. So in my opinion, a better translation would be this. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Now when I put those words together, this is how it resolves in my own mind. Ask and keep on asking. Well, that sounds like perseverance to me. Seek and keep on seeking. If you're going to do that, you're gonna need a lot of godly patience in order to walk through that process. And then knock and keep on knocking. That sounds like persistence to me. But we need to understand the heart of God and our way of approaching him. Prayer is not just about bugging God. Prayer is about asking God to make something right, to resolve something. It's the right cause. And then you add to it the right motive. And then there's a combination that builds underneath of that. It's humble perseverance, which is accompanied by godly patience, which results in faith-filled persistence. Let me say that again. So prayer is both talking to and listening to God, and you're asking him to make something right. So you have the right cause, which is a part of the right motive, and then you add a combination of humble perseverance, so you're not going to give up, which is accompanied by godly patience, which means you're willing to wait on God's answer, and that results in faith-filled persistence. It's not obnoxious. It's actually godly. Now let's ask the question, why does God ask us, why would God ask his kids 
to be persistent, patient, and to persevere? Let me tell you why. It's because when we pray with persistence, patience, and perseverance, our prayers are not about what we want. They're about what God wants. I'm working on a new prayer discipline. After 30 plus years of following Jesus, it goes like this. Oh God, I know what I want. But what do you want? Let me pray that again. Oh God, I, I know what I want, but what do you want? want you see i'm learning something more and more when i pray god god doesn't change the bible says god doesn't change he's the same yesterday today and forever so when i'm praying god doesn't change but i certainly do this is true prayer always creates a greater level of godly character prayer always creates a level of of greater maturity and higher trust godly character happens when we're open to god's answers and god says i will answer you every single time it may not be the answer that you want but my answer is always the best for you always the best god always promises an answer sometimes his answer is yes and we celebrate yes there it is sometimes it's no and when god says no that will test your character and sometimes it's not yet and when you get a not yet it will challenge your character and will also challenge your motive and in those moments when God says not yet you're gonna have to trust me in those moments it's about not giving up because in the waiting in those conversations that we have with God in those moments when he said I need you to have more patience I need you to trust me I need you to trust that my character my timing and my justice is absolutely perfect when we're having those conversations we change we change you know, you may not know this, but Christ the King Church is blessed with a lot of praying grandmas. I love them all. We have an army of praying grandmas in this church. And I'm going to tell you this. So if you're a prodigal or a rebel and your grandma's praying for you, give up now. Just give up. Come back to Jesus. She will win. You will lose. And you will be miserable until you come back. So just get with grandma's program. It's going to go really well because grandma and Jesus are in on this together. I'm just saying, okay? We're blessed with a lot of praying grandmas. We're also blessed to have many persistent and prayerful widows. Our church um, gave back to God one of our persistent widows just this past week. Her name was Virginia Hobbs. I'd like to show you a picture. There's Grandma Virginia. Oh my goodness. Virginia was a prayer warrior. She modeled godly prayer, patience, persistence, and perseverance. I mean, she knew Jesus and Jesus knew her. Laurel and I have had the privilege of being in Virginia's home. She's a prayer chair in her living room. Virginia got up every morning, every morning at 4 a.m. to go to her prayer chair to pray for the things that mattered most to her. Some of you don't know this, but you're here because of Grandma Virginia's prayers. You know how I know that? Because she started her prayer times praying for the lost, broken, hurting, and hopeless of Whatcom County and that they would find a place to connect with Jesus called Christ the King Community Church. So if you're here today and, and you, you don't know God yet and you're still trying to figure out all of these things and you don't really know exactly how you got here, let me tell you how it works. The sovereign God in heaven drew you here and Grandma Virginia prayed for you because she wanted nothing more than for you to get to know 
the Jesus that she loved. Virginia prayed for our staff and their families by name every single day. And Virginia got to go home to be with Jesus a few weeks back. Boy, I can't even imagine what that welcome home party looked like. Oh my goodness. You see, God knew Virginia. Virginia stormed the gates of heaven every single day, praying for her country, for miracles, for revival, for change. And she prayed for more faith. Virginia asked, she sought God, she knocked on the door because she knew this. God promised that he would open the door if you knocked. And she knew that the God waiting on the other side of that door was a good, right, fair, and loving judge. And I tell you her story of her prayer legacy because I hope some of you will pick up the torch and find a chair and start waking up really, really early in the morning to pray for the lost, broken, and hurting of Whatcom County because we still have a lot of work to do. That's our persistent widow. God bless her. Back to the persistent widow in the Bible. I love this lady. Just in case you've already forgotten, here's the story. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So I just pictured this in my mind. Judge wakes up on a Tuesday morning. He's cranky. He's grumpy. Not enough coffee. Puts on his robe. Walks out his front door. And guess who's waiting for him on the sidewalk? Good morning, Judge. Morning, Judge. Good to see you. This is awesome. It's a great day. Decided to walk with you to work again. Because I got to talk to you about my case. Have you forgotten about my case? I don't think you've forgotten about my case. Because I talked to you about it on Monday and I talked to you about it on Friday. That's how it went together. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? This is just so beautiful. And just in case you're wondering, Your Honor, I have all day. And I'm not going anywhere. So when you finish up the courtroom today and finish up the docket and you walk back out again, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to like to walk you home again because we're going to talk about my case. Because now that I've got your undivided attention, I need some help with my adversary. I can hear the judge just muttering under his breath. This lady's driving me nuts. She's wearing me down. I can't take this anymore. Fine. Have what you want. I find in favor of the plaintiff. Case dismissed. Court adjourned. Go away. You see how some people can come to a wrong conclusion about what God's actually saying? But now comes the kingdom principle. Remember what we learned first week? Every parable is about a kingdom principle, and now Jesus is going to tell us what that is. Verse number six, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Let's stop for a second Every time you pray, heaven stops in its tracks and Jesus hears every single word. Let's keep going. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. So what's the wrong conclusion? The wrong conclusion is God's a grumpy judge. If you bug him enough, he'll give you what you want. No, look closer. Look closer. God is a gracious judge that welcomes the persistent requests of his children and ultimately promises justice. 
she kept showing up. And the God on the other side of the door did not say, go away. He opened the door and said, good morning, daughter. Haven't forgotten. I'm working on justice for you. It's coming quicker than you think. Why don't you come on in and have a conversation? Let's talk. God's not a grumpy judge who doesn't care about people. He's a gracious judge who welcomes us to come and pour out our hearts in persistent prayer. And we also have an opportunity to trust his answers, his justice, and his timing. This is what I love about this particular story. God's not the God in, uh, it's not the judge in the story. He's the exact opposite. That's the plot twist. And then come these promises. God hears you. God answers God will vindicate his people in the end. God is hearing every word that you're saying. God's going to change you, even if you get a not yet. God wants us to see him. God wants us to seek him. I mean, the unjust judge, he didn't want anything to do with the widow. He wanted her to go away. He didn't want her to seek him out. God is exactly the opposite. He says, seek me. You will find me. Seek my heart, my justice, my presence, my friendship. If you knock on that door, I will open it every single time that's the promise do you want to know what kept virginia going back she knew that god was going to answer so you remember what jesus told us the point of the parable was it's so that we would pray and not give up but there are lots of reasons why we do aren't there sometimes we just get tired and we stop well today's the day to start again Sometimes it's because we feel like a broken record. We're praying the same thing over and over again with the same words in the same way. But the reality is it doesn't have to be that way. God's not looking for a formula from you. He's looking for a conversation. Earlier in the service, we gave you an opportunity to actually explore the spiritual practice of personal prayer. You had an opportunity to say, God, I stopped praying about something. You know that. You haven't heard from me in a while but I believe you're a good, gracious, and right judge, so I'm going to start again. I'm going to trust your character, and I'm going to start again. Earlier in the year, when we were still mostly online, we began to explore different spiritual practices of prayer because we wanted to find if there were different ways that we could connect with God. We discovered listening prayer. We discovered Lectio Divina. We discovered the prayer of examine, different ways that we could approach God because I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but God is a brilliant conversationalist when you actually give him an opportunity to speak. We want to grow as a church in prayer. So, you know, maybe you're here today and you need a little help getting started with prayer. I actually met a guy after the first service. He said, I prayed for the first time in my life today. <laughs> That's fantastic. So maybe you need to get started or maybe you need some tools to help revitalize your prayer life. Maybe you just got discouraged and you stopped and you need to reinvigorate that again. Well, we've got some resources for you. We don't just write these things to put them on a website. We actually hope and pray that people use them. So if you go to grow.ctk.church, scroll down and click on the button prayer, there's all kinds of resources there so that you can re-engage in a meaningful conversation with God. So let's get really personal again. You've had about 29 minutes since we prayed together in the middle of the service, and I'm going to ask you to come back to it again. 
I put a little prayer in your outline. We'll put it up on the screens. God, I stopped praying about blank. I don't know what's in your blank and you don't know what's in mine, but God knows what's in both. God, I stopped praying about blank. I got tired, disillusioned, and discouraged. But I'm back. Because I know you are a gracious father. So thank you for hearing this prayer. And God, keep me faithful in asking, seeking, and knocking. I wonder how many of us need to pray that prayer today. To just have an honest, honest moment. Maybe you don't just need to pray the prayer today. Maybe you need some other people to pray something like this with you. Have I got an opportunity for you? We do this thing at the end of the service, and I think sometimes it's a tag on, and I want to make sure you understand what can actually happen. When you go to prayer.ctk.church and fill out a prayer request, it's compiled into a list that goes out to hundreds of people in this church. If you've ever filled out a prayer request before, Virginia got your prayer request. And she was up at 4 a.m. talking to God about what you needed. We get those lists and we don't just put them on paper for the sake of putting them on paper or send them out an email for the sake of just having busy work. No, we send them to people who literally take them and sometimes fast and pray for hours for the breakthrough that you need. That's pretty cool. When I know people are praying for me, that's humbling. That's humbling. So maybe you need to get some other people to move behind your prayer request, whatever that it happens to be. And maybe it's this prayer or maybe it's something more personal. I love the fact that we can come to God in so many different ways. There's no one way to pray. God, I stopped praying about blank. I got tired, disillusioned, and discouraged, but I'm coming back because you're a gracious father and I thank you for hearing this prayer. Keep me faithful in asking, seeking, and knocking. So it just wouldn't make sense to me to have the point of it be to pray and not give up and not give you an opportunity to do exactly that. So I'm gonna stop talking and I'm gonna ask God to start talking. And whatever it is you need to bring to him today, I don't care if it's dusty and it's been sitting on the shelf for a while, believe me, God wants to hear from you. Do you remember what he said? Knock. And the door will be opened to you. So let's take a few minutes. I'll be quiet and not interrupt, (laughs) at least for a little bit. And you can talk directly to God yourself. And then I'll pray for all of us. And then we'll go outside and enjoy 80 degree weather in Whatcom County. Let's pray.
Oh, Jesus, I pray for my friend Terry this morning who said that he had never prayed before, but he started praying this morning. And I thank you that you heard every single word and that you know his story. Bless him today. God, and bring him back to the throne room again. Lord, I thank you for the prayerful, persistent widows that are in this room right now. The praying grandmas and grandpas. The dads and moms who pray for their kids faithfully every day. God, I pray that they would continue to be patient, persistent, and to persevere as they pray for the things that matter the most in the bottom of their soul. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, those who may have given up. And I pray that today would be the day when they re-engage with you. God, I pray that they would not grow weary, but that they would pray again with the right motive, with the right heart, and with increased passion today. God, I thank you for every person in this room that, that Virginia prayed here. And Lord, as she celebrates a different kind of access to your throne room, we thank you for her faithful prayers over the decades. God, may we line up with her and her passion and be people of prayer. God, thank you for not being a corrupt judge, but for being one that is gracious and one that responds. Lord, would you raise up prayer warriors in this church to cry out to you day and night. God, we thank you for all that you are doing in us and through us. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, knowing you hear every word. And all God's people said, amen and amen.